I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Down to Dunk. We've got a unique Wednesday pod. But before we get there, just want to remind you, as always, you can find us on DailyThunder.com, on CLNS Media, also on Dash Radio. I think 5 o'clock Central Standard Time. This is episode 685, and with me, Jay Smith, not Andrew Schleck, all the way from Portland, Alex Spears. Alex, it's the Jay and Al pod. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm excited. I, I will say this. Just let me, you know, just brag on you a little bit. Is if you don't know this and you're listening to our podcast, Alex gets up at like five on Wednesday mornings to record at five thirty, and uh, so this content, man, it comes with sacrifice, with some, you know, some. And today, today was an extra sacrifice because I woke up. At uh, six, which actually you gave me an extra thirty minutes of sleep, Ooh. which is nice of you. But I, I felt weird when I woke up. I didn't know what it was. I was like, man, something's just off with me right now. And then I remember that I had super spicy Thai yesterday, and it all hit me the second I woke up. So <laughs> dealing with pretty hot butt this morning as well. But uh, I'm just gonna power through. Well, we appreciate it. I uh, I always enjoy the Wednesday pods, and it's it's kind of awesome to be on it so andrew's got some personal stuff he's dealing with nothing crazy don't i shouldn't have said that because now people may overreact but he's he's fine everything's fine he just couldn't make it this morning so we're gonna we're gonna take care of you as part of this podcast want to talk just briefly um because i'm i don't think either one of us really are particularly excited about what's going on in the, at least the western conference playoffs but so last night the raptors did tie it up 2-2 with the bucks going yes. back to Milwaukee this weekend and and then obviously on, gosh, what was that, Monday night, the, was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday, yeah. which is when all the potential tornadoes were heading here. I was like, well, I guess I'll watch something else that makes me dislike life. <laughs> and I watched the Warriors and Trailblazers. And yeah. uh, the Warriors swept them 4-0 without Kevin Durant, without Boogie Cousins. They only could manage to put three All-Stars on the court. Embarrassing. So what's So you're in Portland. So what's the... I mean, what's the feel from Portland's side of this with all of this? Uh, I think it's this weird balance of everyone's at this point. It's just like gravy because it's no one was expecting this team to go this far after they lost Nurkic at the end of the season. And so once you get past the first round, that alone was probably good enough. And they would have considered that a successful season, especially with the way it ended with Dame hitting that shot. And then to beat Denver, Game 7, going to the Western Conference Finals, it's like, oh, this is gravy. Everything's great. And it's, I don't know. There's still something about that series with the Warriors that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I think that some Portland fans are feeling that way. It's like they're mad at themselves for even being upset. But, you know, they did get swept. And Dame just didn't have a good series and really didn't have a good series since the OKC series. He had a few nice games here and there. But... I don't know. I, I think people are 
super proud of the team, super psyched that they made as far as they did. And now they're kind of trying to figure out, like, what does this actually mean? Like, is this team going to is this team going to be a perennial like Western Conference contender going forward, which I don't really think they will be. But who knows? It definitely felt like to me that this was their not not that this is their season in the sense that they could never be this good again. But it felt like the playoffs kind of broke exactly the way that they needed it to to get I, I don't I think they hit their ceiling this year as far as they can go and maybe I'm crazy for thinking that but they played the series of their life against the Thunder like looking back on it more and more and watching Dame against Denver and then watching him against Golden State which I know Golden State defended him better like it looked there's more intention they were they were you know doing that thing where they're trapping him a ton and but he just was off like he was off he was missing shots he was hitting with ease against the Thunder and but it felt like it just kind of fell right. And then getting to play Denver right then when Denver, you know, obviously it was their first time to be in the playoffs, the first time to have the potential to do this much. And, and you could just kind of feel that. And then CJ just went nuts in game seven, which was the reason they got to the Western Conference finals. And it was kind of like, uh, you just, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy about that, but it definitely felt like this is, this is kind of the furthest that they're going to go. I, I don't see them getting back to the Western Conference finals in the yeah, near future. The way the conference or with the way the bracket broke, like any of those four teams who is, was going to make it to the Western Conference finals, that was going to be huge for them. I mean, whether it was OKC or Denver or even the Spurs, like that would have been a massive achievement for any four of those teams. Whereas if it had broken with Houston on the on our side, it really wouldn't have been that big of a deal if Houston made the Western Conference finals. It's kind of what we had expected going into the season. So I don't know. Good, good for Portland. Exciting for them, but yeah. And your best friend Daryl Morey mentioned uh, it, why I don't know why he is the way he is, but he posted something <laughs> about how you know all of these teams over the last three years their records against the Warriors and how the Rockets are the only team that really can compare with them. And it's like he was kind of bragging. Unless this was a made-up tweet, was this a real tweet where he was yeah bragging, he was bragging about the Rockets being the best team to lose to them. Yeah, it's a weird take. It's crazy to remember that him and Sam Presti have the same job because they their like outward personality is so vastly different in terms of how they approach like connecting with, with fans and the media. And I, I don't I, what I really want to know is how we would react as OKC fans if Sam Presti was like that. If if he tweeted more, I just can't imagine my GM and maybe it's just because we're so used to Sam Presti who's really buttoned up and quiet and you barely ever see him and then he says his one thing scared money don't make money and we get all excited and that like holds us over for an entire year <laughs> whereas like Maury's out there every single day just tweeting some meme or a gif it's just a very different approach I yeah, don't know if I, it's for me it wouldn't be I it, it's a funny kind of path to take my imagination where I'm like thinking about Sam Presti tweeting. He would, he, would have, he would have to have a different. <laughs> he would have the most boring tweets. <laughs> It'd just be like deep philosophical quotes that nobody gets, but like three specific people. I don't know. Or drums. He would just talk about drumming and jazz drums, and I don't yeah. Know. He would have to be a different person to to tweet, and it'd be enjoyable, I guess. But so that's the Western Conference Finals. We don't really want to talk about it. Uh, so the East is intriguing to me and I just we don't have to break down obviously what's going on in that Kawhi's hurt and it feels like it's just going to go to seven and the Bucks will win in seven because it just home court is making that much of a difference 
between those two teams. But here's my question to you. And this will be the ongoing question until we figure out who's playing them. Do you see either one of these teams? I know the odds came out last night, and Warriors are pretty heavy favorites against both teams. Actually, a heavier favorite against the Raptors, which kind of makes sense. Do you see either one of these teams coming out of the East giving the Warriors anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, both of them, as far if I remember correctly, both have beaten the Warriors in Oracle this season, in the regular season. Um, so I do think these are the two best teams in the East to be equipped to try to play them. I would still take the Warriors, even if it came out that like KD was going to miss game one or something, I would still take the Warriors. Uh, Of the two teams, it's so dumb because of course, after game two, if you had asked me, I would have said, Oh yeah, obviously the bucks. And now I'm like, Oh, you know, this Raptors team's actually pretty good, but I still think, I still think I, I feel most confident in the bucks because they've done it all year. They were the clear number one team all year. They had the advanced stats to suggest that they were not just a regular good team, that they were actually a great team. Um, and so I, I would still like to see the bucks. I'd rather see the bucks because I think they have more uh, like high end talent. I think I think they could potentially push the Warriors, and I think Giannis is like completely unique. And if Kawhi is anything less than 100%, then I just don't have any faith that the Raptors can do anything against the Warriors. Yeah, and Kyle Lowry has just been so strange. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if he was a Thunder? Thunder fans would <laughs> – we would talk about him like every single week. We would stress out about him. Yes, we would talk about him the way we talk about like Patrick Patterson. Yeah, on like a such a grander scale because he's so much more he's important so to that team. Uh, yeah. yeah, he he's just been it's I mean, not to use obviously like psychological, but the way he plays, it's like a bipolar, you know, like you just never know what you're going to get from him, which is right. insane for being somebody that's I mean, he's he's as much as Kawhi is the best player on the team. Kyle Lowry is like the heart and soul of this team. And, and so they kind of go the way he goes. And obviously he played better last night and they blew Milwaukee out and so it's it's just a this is a weird series like I said I, I fully expect Milwaukee to win in seven maybe six I mean obviously it took two overtimes for them for the Raptors to win in game three and so I think the Bucks can win in Toronto but you know I don't know it's it's fun for me it's just enjoyable to not have it be Cleveland and LeBron James you know it's it's fun to see these two other teams will at least get a little bit of a different flavor um, in the in the finals, which is kind of what I'm excited about. Yeah, and I'm very thankful that they won this game, so we can or at least guaranteed six games. And uh, how are you feeling now after Game Four? Your answer might have been different after Game Two about uh, Kawhi's long-term plans. Will he stay or will he go now? Uh, you know, it's it's hard. I'm. It's probably all of us deal with like the woundedness of Kevin Durant, and so it's like well, I'll just assume that it's going to be whatever devastates the local fan base so i Kawhi is so odd um i really thought after and i said this on twitter is after game seven against the sixers i was like oh man that is a killer blow to anybody trying to get Kawhi. but you just don't know like i have no idea how to understand that guy and then the influence of his uncle like all of those weird dynamics where it's like, I don't know if he just wants to go to LA, like there's nothing that the Raptors could have done. Cause literally like this is the best 
they have done everything, like going all in, getting Mark Gasol. I mean, Masai Ujiri is, I mean, one of the what top three or four GMs in the league. Toronto's, as much as we don't know about it, because you know it's in Canada. From everything I've heard about Toronto's, it's one of the coolest cities in the entire NBA. I mean, it, it's in Canada and it's cold in the winter, but it's awesome. Like it's a really big metropolitan area, and we just undervalue it because you know we're not Canadian. Um, so there's, it, it has everything going with it. Like you have long-term success potential there and, uh, and there's nothing that would make you think, man, this wouldn't be a place I'd want to be. And you stay out of the West, you know, like there's a guarantee, not a guarantee because obviously the Sixers will be there. And I think Boston's still in there. But for me, if I was Kawhi thinking, man, I can be in the Eastern conference finals or the NBA finals. I have a chance every year until I retire basically. Yeah. And that's and you go to the Clippers because I don't see him going to the Lakers. But if he goes to the Clippers, which is the the likeliest suitor in the West, it's like, I mean, will they depending on what they else they do, but will they make it out of the first round? If they do, I be, I wouldn't put them too far past the second round, even with Kawhi. Plus, I think you have to ask yourself, like Kawhi, like he's still having issues, and I don't know if it's the same quad, but he's still having health issues. He's walking through some of those things. Like he just looks beat to death in this series. And that would make me, anybody's going to give him the max, but it doesn't make me super excited about what his future would be. If, if I was going all in on him being my all-star, they managed him all season and he's still like beat up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. It's kind of even worse thinking that, Oh, and this was after a season where they actually did the load management. Now there are two things, two developments that have happened. In the last couple of days, it could sway him. The first, did you hear about the Kawine and Dine stickers? <laughs> is that in Toronto or is that somewhere else? Yes, this is in Toronto. They, this organization has these Kawine and Dine stickers, and they're going out to local restaurants in the Toronto area, getting them to put them on the outside of their window. And if Kawhi stays, he gets free food for life from that restaurant. So there's been a bunch of restaurants that have signed up. It's guaranteed food. You got to factor that in, you know, because a lot of people would be worried about. I think the taxes are higher in Toronto. But if you're getting free food every night, you know, that could help out, could balance yeah. it out. <laughs> Imagine an NBA player that's about to sign like a 40 million dollar a year contract. <laughs> Plus, isn't he who's he sponsored by? Like in this uh, New Balance Skechers or something like that. The new Balance. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, this is, and I get it. I get the sentiment. It's, it's fun, whatever. But it's like, this dude makes more money in like four months than most of us will make our entire life. But let's. But maybe he really likes the local taco spot. (laughs) I was about to say, it's something about (laughs) the local places that he just really going to draw him. I, I I really don't know. Like, I cannot. Do you have a guess? Like, do you have any predictions for that? And maybe it's just because I'm a pessimist, but I've just assumed he was going to leave this whole time. And then listening to the low post, Zach Lowe's saying stuff where it sounds like he knows more than he's saying that he's allowed to say. And he just keeps saying things like, oh, I think the uh, chances that he stays are a little bit higher than people might think. You know, he keeps saying stuff like that. And so it makes me think, like, does he know something like could Kawhi really stay? And I did the same thing when when Paul George's free agency was coming up. I just assumed the L.A. thing was like locked down in the bag. It's over. Even as people like Andrew and Roy confident when they would be on podcasts, they would say, oh, I actually feel pretty good about it. 
So I don't know. So now I'm starting to think, wow, he really could stay. And then the other piece that came out is that Mark Stein is now reporting that the Clippers are serious contenders for KD this summer. And so I wonder how that changes Kawhi's thinking as well. Like, is that because KD knows Kawhi's going there and they want to team up? Or is it because he now thinks that Kawhi isn't going there and it could just be his team? I don't know. It's exciting. Yeah. I, I think trying to nail down what Kevin Durant's going to do is, I mean, nobody has an idea. Nobody knows but him and his crew. And I still would be shocked. Like, the Knicks makes the most sense to me. Um you go to the East, the same things we just said about Kawhi becomes a reality for KD in the East, where it's like every year, every year, if he got him and Kyrie to play together, which talk about just a collection of psychopaths, but you, you have these guys on the same spot. Like it, for me, it's just like they're going to be competing on the in the biggest market in the NBA. There's just a whole bunch of benefits to that. And it's also the place where he can kind of reclaim himself uh, a team. And then on, and then just to mention, like, there is no way that this Warrior stuff, like, we know Kevin Durant. There's no way that what's going on with the Warriors isn't basically just solidifying Kevin's move this year, right? I, I mean, hey, Howard Beck's doing his best to make, make KD feel good. He went on the low post, made, made his case for why the Warriors need Kevin Durant, which was very frustrating. Although I will say, if you haven't listened to the low post yet, I thought Zach Lowe did a really good job pushing back on that. He Zach Lowe basically said, I mean, I guess they need him to like guarantee themselves the NBA championship, but they don't need him to just be a competitive team that still has a chance to win the championship. Um, but yeah, there's people on uh, both sides trying to trying to help KD out. Well, good, man. He needs it. He's just, you know, he's had such a hard run at it here and. It's been very difficult to be him in the NBA for his entire career. Yeah, and, and listen, I get it. It's because the fan reaction to KD has been so strong uh, in response to his move to Golden State over these last couple of years that I feel like there's certain reporters, certain national writers who have gone the complete opposite way because they feel like they need to like balance out the conversation. But they just end up coming across as so... like pro KD and in KD's camp. Like I think about Chris Haynes specifically. And then I think about Howard Beck. I feel like those guys are always, they always got KD's back and they will never even acknowledge the, the possibility that the fans might have some legitimacy in their arguments. So, well, and it doesn't help with Howard Beck, the fact that he's like a, a consistent Russ hater too, right? Like, Yes, he, he, he's like the definition of the national NBA writer. I feel like his takes are so predictable because he is just he epitomizes the national NBA writer. All right. Well, that's enough about that. Hey, I want to tell you real quick before we get going about two very important things. Number one is that we have an exciting thing coming up for the NBA draft, which is on June 20th, June 20th, six o'clock. At Banquet Cinema Pub, we are going to have a down-to-dunk draft watch party. We've got a draft competition. Andrew is working that out. We're going to do a mock draft thing. And if you have the best draft at the end of the night, you get a cool prize package. But we're going to have a whole little theater area um, set apart for the draft. And so here's the cool thing is that it's all ages. So if you have kids and you've always wanted them to come out and experience what Luke is all about in person, then this is your place to do that. Um, it's Banquet Pub Cinema or Banquet Cinema Pub. However you say that, but go check them out 
and make the plan to be here June 20th, 6 p.m. They've got pizza. They've got um, beers. They've got all sorts of awesome things. And uh, we want to make sure that you make the plan to be there June 20th, 6 p.m. Down to Dunk Draft Party. Also, want to tell you about one of our sponsors. You know, I was thinking about Kawhi Leonard. And I'll tell you what I think he needs is he needs a little physical dot com physical is a local physical therapy clinic and it is amazing and, and a lot of people would say that maybe it's just for older people but it's actually for anyone seeking to feel better um, if you're recovering from an accident a surgery if medicine is not the avenue that you want to go to to relieve your pain then you need to grab a consultation as w- at physical which is f y z i c a l and if you're looking really one of the things they really work on is balance and core strength and those things are so important in your healing process. They have a ton of different specialists uh, for everybody's program. Every person's treatment is unique. So just stop in. You can find out more on their website, which is F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L.com backslash Oklahoma dash city. You can also call them at 405-400-8909, but go in, get in shape. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Check it out. Physical.com backslash Oklahoma dash city. So Alex and I have uh, something special planned as part of this. And uh, Alex, I'm going to let you explain what we're doing today. Yes, to get you ready for this year's NBA draft in a completely meaningless way, Jay and I are going to go back through the last 12 NBA drafts, which are all the drafts that Sam Presti was involved in. And we're going to pick the best eight-man rotation from each draft. So pretend that we're having a playoff style tournament where each draft class is playing each other and for that reason i've asked jay to keep the eight man rotations as realistic as possible meaning you can't just take eight guards from the 2009 david con draft and there's a few more rules we are picking guys based on how they were playing in 2019 as if we were playing this tournament tomorrow or at the beginning of this upcoming season the 1920 season so for instance mark gasol we're thinking about how he's playing on the raptors as opposed to peak Gasol with the Grizzlies. That said, we are going to ignore short-term injuries. So, for example, Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins, guys that we expect to be back at the beginning of next season and play the way they're normally playing. But we are taking into account some longer-term injuries, the main one being John Wall, who uh, may not play for another year after having not played for a year. Uh, We're going to start with the 2007 draft, which, of course, was Sam Presti's first draft. And at the end, we'll decide who is the best draft team in the Presti era. Are you ready, Jay? I am. Let's do this. Okay, so the 2007 draft. You think to yourself, oh, this probably is a pretty good team. Of course, they have Kevin Durant. He is my starting small forward. They have Mike Conley at point guard. They have Al Horford who I plugged in at center. I decided not to play him and Mark Saul together. But then after that, it gets kind of rough. They actually don't have a lot of wings in the 2007 draft. So my starting lineup is Mike Conley, Marco Bellinelli, Kevin Durant, Thad Young, Al Horford, and then off the bench, I'm bringing Mark Gasol, Jared Dudley, and Jeff Green. I don't know how to feel about that one, but I, I felt like Jared Dudley, he's wise. He had a really nice series against the Sixers. So so that's the team for 2007. So the only substitution potentially I would have on that group is Wilson Chandler for Jared Dudley. I thought about that. 
I thought about that, but I was not impressed with Wilson Chandler's performance this season. I don't think the Sixers were either. So for that reason, I left him off. Just couldn't take yeah. it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's not. You're right. Like I have Mike Conley as my starting point guard. Marco Bellinelli is the starting shooting guard. Kevin Durant. I actually had Mark Gasol. I thought. I, I mean, maybe I'm not paying enough attention to it, and I'll just confess that. But I feel like Mark has been okay for the Raptors. Like pretty good. You know, the other one I had in there until I realized, like, well, we're not evaluating it on 2019 is Joe Kim Noah was also in that draft. Right. Yeah. So that was definitely a guy who, like, if you're taking him at his peak, he definitely makes the team. But again, just another big guy to deal with. Yeah. Thad Young, Al Horford, Mark Gasol, Joe Kim Noah. Those, that was my four rotation, but not with Noah in 2019 because he is not very good anymore. So 2008 was a pretty good year. 2008 was good. So here's what I, the other thing I did just for a piece of, you know, thunder connection. So I've also looked at, and y'all may have already done this, but every 21st pick from those drafts. And so in 2007, the 21st pick was Daquan Cook. Hey, former Thunderman. Yeah. And then in 2008, the 21st pick was Ryan Anderson. Oh, pretty good streak here. These are Uh two uh, long-term NBA players. All right. So 2008, this is uh, the first, technically it was still the, Sonics, but they were moving after the draft to become the Thunder. And so the point guard, I've got Russell Westbrook. Woo! It's a pretty easy one. Uh, Eric Gordon is my starting two. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I actually, and this is where it gets complicated. I put Danilo Gallinari as my three. Yeah, sure. And then I put Kevin Love as my four. Mm-hmm. And then Brooke Lopez is my five. I feel like that's a pretty legit starting lineup. It is. So my I have three reserves. So the 45th pick of that draft was Goran Dragic. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put him as my starting or my backup point guard. I've got Courtney Lee as my backup shooting guard. And then Serge Ibaka as my backup power forward. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded draft class because you still have guys like Nick Batum, George Hill. uh, We mentioned Ryan Anderson, JaVale McGee, DeAndre Jordan. That was, a, that was a nice draft, and that and that leaves out the top three picks, which were Derrick Rose, Michael Beasley, and O.J. Mayo. So that was a pretty deep draft. Yeah, that, just even saying those three names, like Derrick Rose flashbacks? obviously had, yeah, it had a re-emergent season, or re-emergent season this year, but Beasley, O.J. Mayo, this is, the draft is like, it is a GM, like make-or-break GM. Uh, game like Beasley, OJ Mayo. Everybody thought OJ Mayo was going to be unbelievable, and he just never was. I mean, he's okay, but now he's not even in the NBA. He's got that Tyreek Evans kind of thing going on. He set the precedent for that, I guess, apparently. So, um, yeah, DJ Augustine still in the NBA actually had maybe his best season of his career for the Magic this year. And yeah, yeah it's 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 got those. That's a draft that definitely has. You still have Robin Lopez, JaVel McGee still in the NBA. There's a lot of guys in it that still are, still are getting minutes, but but that's the best. Did I miss anybody? Did anybody you saw from my eight that you would have put in place? No, that was one of the few drafts where the, there were like plenty of guys to choose from, especially considering that. I mean, that's 11 years ago. And a lot of these guys are still big time contributors. Um, OK, 2009. Now, right off the bat, this is a winner because you got the all NBA backcourt. Steph Curry, James Harden. Boom. Right there. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be an amazing team. But then it falls off. I put DeMar DeRozan as my small forward, Blake Griffin as my power forward, Taj Gibson as my center. And then my bench was Pat Beverly. I took him from the second round. Drew Holiday. 
So I have some really nasty, nasty defenders off the bench. And then I needed another wing because what I found is there are not very many wings in this draft. I took James Johnson as my third bench player. So it's very top-heavy team. I probably could have just surrounded them with a bunch of no-name guys when you have Steph and James Harden. I am a little worried about the defense with Curry, Harden, DeRozan, and Griffin. But that's why I have Beverly and Drew Holiday, you know? So I the I went with uh, the only thing that I did different. Instead of James Johnson, I put Danny Green as my third wing. Oh, that, yeah, that's a solid one. You know, and that's, and he's, you been got playing, some, he's been playing well. Yeah, you got some defense on that backup. You know who else I didn't take is Hashim to beat. You didn't. You decided no, not, not to go with him. <laughs> I was like, for the center position, I'm not kidding. For the center position in this draft, you have Hashim to beat, Jordan Hill, Tyler Hansborough. And they were all taken before Taj. And he's not even, I mean, he oh, wasn't drafted as a center. Yeah, and Byron Mullins. Don't forget Woo. about him. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. DeWan okay. Blair, was he technically a center? I think he was a little bit. So this next team, I think, is the most cursed team. This is one of yours. Oh, 2010. Absolutely. absolutely. So just real quick, 2009, the 21st pick was Darren Collison. Another good pick. Hey, another good pick. This is where it falls off, though. In 2010, <laughs> Craig Brackens. You remember him hey. playing at Iowa State? Yeah. I do, yes. Um, all right. So this is the catastrophic injury. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So, 2010. Number one, also remembering that this is also like Kentucky. For some, how I don't know how they were so good, and I don't think they won the championship this year. But anyway, so for me, I put as my starting point guard, I put Eric Bledsoe. The only other option is John Wall, and John Wall, I mean, he's a year and a half away from maybe being back in the NBA. So I got Eric Bledsoe. Avery Bradley is my starting two. This is not a very, this is not instill a lot of confidence in this team. Uh, your three, you've got Paul George. Woo! And then you have Ed Davis at the four. And then at the five, I put Boogie Cousins as, yeah. as my five. So you've got Boogie with the Achilles. You've got PG with the broken leg. You've got John Wall with the Achilles. And then for my two, uh, two other wing backups, I have Alfaruk Aminu. And then I have Gordon Hayward as well. And so that's another catastrophic leg injury. So Yeah. And and you throw in Paul George. I mean, he had a catastrophic yep. leg yep. injury yep. too. That's crazy. John Wall, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, and DeMarcus Cousins. It's probably the four best guys from that draft and all had yep. major injuries. Do you have anybody from that draft that I left out? Uh, no. I mean, one of my all-time favorites, Larry Sanders. I love Larry Sanders. Yeah, so he had one. Me- was it? Uh, I think mental it was mental health was issues. Yeah. Okay. I think. That's yeah, I, I think it was mental health, and he. But he had one like magical season with the Bucks that I think he was on my fantasy team, and I just loved him. Uh, did you notice at the end of the first round, there's three former Thunder players in a row: Daniel Orton, Lazar Hayward, and Tibor Place. Remember those famous. I do, I do remember all of those. That was probably the best part about this experience, like coming across, and especially as a OU fan, like a basketball fan, it was like you have at the 47th pick, you had Tiny Gallon, and then you had oh, uh, Tiny Gallon, man. Willie, I can't Willie believe Arnold he was, was drafted. I know, and never played a minute. You know where I saw him at the lighthouse playing pickup basketball, <laughs> like five, he was probably six, dominating. Yeah. And then you had uh, Willie yeah. Warren too, so same year. 
Yeah, the only guy I would have added was uh, Nemanja Bielica. Oh, yeah, Another one of my fans. Like uh, okay, 2011, I think, might be the best lineup. Listen to how perfect this starting lineup is. Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Tobias Harris, Nikola Vucevic. Then off the bench, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Miritich. Just send them out right now. It's over. So, so give me your backups again. Who are your backups? I did Kemba, uh, Jimmy Butler, and, and Nikola Miritich because I thought I needed another big guy. Yeah, Miritich so shoots threes. I did. I did it a little different. Number one, just didn't even see Vucevic in that draft. <laughs> just missed it because you. I was okay, like, man. So first you know, off, <laughs> I missed the center. But you have you also have Jonas Valanciunas was in that draft, and so was Ennis. Um, yeah, but you obviously you take Vucevic before those two guys for sure. And then you also have the bone dong, man. You got Bogdanovich. Is in I that did draft. see, I did see the bone dong. I consider him. We also have Kyle Singler. This was the Kyle <laughs> Singler draft. So I had to think about him for a second. So I think the only thing I have that's different is instead of, uh, going for another big, I put Bogdanovich in there instead of Miritich. That was it. Oh, so I it's thought you might've been a Davis Bertans man. <laughs> Golly, where is he from? I didn't even see him in this one either, too. There we go. Oh, he's from nowhere, apparently, according to basketball reference. <laughs> he is from nowhere, yeah. But, yeah, that's a great – I mean, that was probably the one I was the most shocked by when I started putting all those guys Oh, together. he's from well, Latvia. Yeah, that Same makes country sense. country as Porzingis. Well, 2012 is pretty good, too. So, in 2011, the 21st draft pick was Nolan Smith out of Duke, if you remember mm. him. Mm-hmm. I'll work out. Pretty All right, you ready? You ready yes, for 2012? 2012. All right, your starting point guard is Damian Lillard. Starting shooting guard is Bradley Beal. Starting mm-hmm. small Good. starting small forward is Chris Middleton. Ooh. Your power forward is Draymond Green. Ooh. And then you have Anthony Davis as your starting. Oh my. Wow. The good starting five. Jeez. All right. Okay. So, so the backups I found, this is where it starts fading pretty quickly is Terrence Ross, which I thought he was great this year. Yeah, solid. But then, as soon as I have two Magic players on it, I was like, oh, okay. But Evan Fournier, although they did make the playoffs. So Evan That's Fournier true. is my other wing. And then I went with Harrison Barnes as my third. So if you're doing an eight-man rotation, I have Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, and Harrison Barnes. But you also have guys like Jay Crowder, Mo Harkless, Andre Drummond, and Mike Scott that are all still contributing from that from that draft class. Wow, yeah, man. You didn't like Drummond. Feel bad for I'm the guy. I'm so down on Drummond. <laughs> Clearly. And you're so down on Jeremy Lamb, too. You didn't even mention him. Oh, well, that was well, probably personal. Man, I, I would say that that rivals and may beat 2011 in terms of at least the starting lineup. Yeah, it's really that good. Was a, that was a really good draft. And yes. I'm going to talk about that draft a little bit later. Did we'll you, you miss anybody on that? You miss anybody I missed on that one? Other than uh, that? No, I mean, as a friend of Andrew, I feel like we're contractually... Uh, obliged to mention Dion Waiters was also in this draft. We have to say his name any time we have an opportunity. He hasn't been good since maybe the playoffs with the Thunder. Uh, he was pretty good. Don't, don't tell Andrew that. Don't tell Andrew that. He'll be mad. He'll kick you off the pod. You're going to get <laughs> muted. Um, okay, moving on to 2013. This was a goofy draft. This was the Steven Adams draft. This was the draft that Sam Presti apparently loved more than anything else. Point guard, C.J. McCollum. I, I could not find anyone else to play point guard in this draft, unless you want, like, Trey Burke or MCW. 
Shooting guard, Victor Oladipo, pretty good. Otto Porter, Giannis as my power forward, and then Gobert as my center, and then I have Steven Adams. Dennis Schroeder made the cut for me off yep. the bench. Tony Snell was my last pick. That was a nasty draft. There was not, only, not a lot that I was excited about. And this is where the only other person I found that could actually be mentioned in eight-man rotation was Alan Crabb, which tells you something. Yeah. I mean, Robertson was in that draft, so obviously if he was Robertson, you might consider him as well. But Abrinas, this was the Abrinas draft. So many guys played for the Thunder from this draft. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It is nuts. It is so, crazy. And that was uh, the 21st pick in the 2013 draft was Gorgie Jing. Jing. Oh, man. He's had a rough career. I mean, he's made a lot of money, but he's had a rough career otherwise. Yes, he is. He's one of those guys, every time you watch him play for Minnesota, you're like, how is he still in the NBA? Oh, man, I'm excited for the next 21st pick, 2014. Yeah. This is where things really go off the rails. That's the Mitch McGarry draft, uh, professional bowler, apparently. This is a bad draft, by the way. Um, bad draft. So my starting point guard, I had put Marcus Mark. My starting shooting guard is Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't even know what position he is. Is he technically uh, a point guard, kind of? Uh, I mean, he does handle the ball, but I, I would say putting him in a shooting guard makes sense. Okay. Then your three, Andrew Wiggins. And then your four, I put I put Aaron Gordon as my starting power forward. Okay. And I have Embiid as my starting five. Oh, yeah. Jokic I remember... I remember being so excited about this draft and looking back at it, man, it was rough. Yeah, it was. It was not very good. And then my backups, like here, this is what's crazy. So my backups, I have Jokic, obviously, like, you know, probably the maybe second best player in the whole, actually is the second best player in the whole draft, maybe if not the first. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know how I feel between Embiid and Jokic. It depends probably on the who I watch most recently. But as my backups, I put Joe Harris. And Gary Harris, the Harris brothers. <laughs> Gary oh, the Harris bros. <laughs> it's just that's just how bad it is. Like if Joe Harris is, and I think Joe Harris is good, but it's like I don't know if he should be one of your top eight players from a draft. But yeah, th- this draft had some nice depth. I mean, there were guys like Clint Capella, uh, Dario Saric, Zach Levine, T.J. Warren, Joseph Nurkic. And um, I probably, but Zach Levine probably is somebody that could have gotten a little more love for me, but. Yeah, this was the Jeremy Grant draft taken in the Rodney second Hood round. Rodney Hood, too. If you based yeah. it just on the playoffs, then Rodney Hood would be up there, too. So there's some definitely some good depth. Yeah, but maybe. yeah, looking at like picks 8 through 11, that was rough. Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton, Doug McDermott. Oh, and remember, Doug McDermott, that was Denver traded for the picks that became Gary Harris and Joseph Nurkic, which is pretty crazy. They they moved back and got two like long term NBA rotation guys. Okay, Jokic at the forty first pick. Yeah, so two thousand fifteen. This was a fine draft. D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker. (laughs) That's going to be a dangerous (laughs) backcourt both ways on both sides of the court. Uh, Justice Winslow, Carl Anthony Towns. I moved him to power forward even though I didn't want to because I had to fit in Miles Turner. And then my bench was Kelly Oubre, Montrez Harrell, and Bobby Portis. So that this draft kind of faded as well. This I, this draft had a little bit better high-end talent, but it didn't have a ton of depth. So did you say, so number one, you omitted Chris Stops because 
he hasn't played in a year and a half. And then also I did, although now that you say that, I wouldn't normally have left him off. So yes, I probably should have put him on there instead of Bobby Portis. Did you say did you say Josh Richardson? No, that's another great one. Yeah, so I would definitely take him over Kelly Oubre. I apparently didn't read the names. <laughs> it's hard, man. Like I'm looking at this, and there's so many names I just missed. But that's so, so I, weird because he he was taken right before one pick before Pat Connaughton, and I swear last night I was looking at Pat Connaughton's stats. Like, should I include Pat Connaughton? Meanwhile, just ignoring that Josh Richardson was right next to him. Well, and Josh Richardson Richardson is also one of those names that you're just like you just kind of scroll over because you don't think that is the guy that is Josh Richardson. That's it's true. It could be, that could be anyone. Yeah, Pat Connaughton. That is somebody. I mean, he's getting pretty good minutes for the uh, Bucks. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, but I, uh, I think the only, the biggest question mark I have is always like, I don't know what Justice Winslow is, and I think I asked the same question about Kelly Oubre. Like, I don't know. I have no idea what either one of those guys should be, how I should rank them. So, all right, 2016. Oh, that was Justin Anderson, by the way, 2015, which was somebody I was super high on at the 20. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was as well. Yeah. I thought he was going to be so good. Yep. And he's not. Um, okay. All right, this is me, right? 2016? 2016, yes. All right. So this, this is where I really, I don't even know who this guy is. You probably do. The 21st pick was DeAndre Bembry. Uh, place for the, the Hawks. All right, Tim and Tareen Prince. Okay. So my starting point guard, I put Ben Simmons. My Ooh. starting shooting guard, Buddy Hield. My good. starting small forward, I've got Jalen Brown. My starting, my starting power forward, Pascal Siakam. And then my starting five, got Domas, DeMontis Sabonis. So, and this is where it's confusing. I, like All my backups are, are basically combo guards. So I have Jamal Murray, Malcolm Brogdon, and Karis LeVert as my three backups. Yeah, you, you, you the uh, OU homer in you definitely came out. Uh, Buddy healed over lineup. Hey, Buddy is awesome. Okay, he he's great. You you also that that was a deep draft for guards because you had Malcolm Brogdon too. Yep. Which I I didn't realize how much I'd like him. I saw an interview. Oh, and Dejounte Murray. Yeah, but I. He's the turd, but yeah, but still, just for I depth. Know, I forgot he was out there. But yeah, I mean, it does have some good. There's some really good players in that draft. Papa G, man, that was the Papa G draft taken at number thirteen by the Kings. Um, okay, this next one, I think rivals some of the other ones, which is hard to do because the the more recent the drafts are, the less you know about these guys, the less confident you are in them. Um, so it's not a surprise that like the drafts from six or seven years ago are the ones that look the best. But this one I thought was pretty impressive. 2017 NBA draft. Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Lowry Markinen, and John Collins. That's like a stacked starting lineup. Everything makes sense. And then off the bench, I did Jared Allen, which I was having a hard time choosing between John Collins and Jared Allen. But John Collins shot 35% from three last year. Only his second season. And then I took uh, Jonathan Isaac, who I still like and believe in, and Lonzo Ball, who I still believe in. You are so glad that Andrew is not on this podcast. Why? Is he not a ball man? You forgot. You put Lonzo Ball over Derek White. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I did. so angry with you. So he, that's he, the, the, Andrew, the, that freak would probably put Frank uh, 
Nilakina over him. <laughs> he won't shut up about that he guy. <laughs> he wants him so bad on the Thunder. He does. Um, and the other person I think we miss is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, the Kuz. I mean, but Terrence you, Ferguson, you OG, sub, Her yeah. Giles. That was a that was a that was a good draft. Yeah, and I put yeah same. I have the same exact guy. I think the only difference is Lonzo and Derek White. That's the only switch. Yeah, but Darren Fox and Donovan Mitchell is your uh, front court, back court, front court, back court, back court. That's <laughs> your back court. Jason Tatum. I mean, I don't know. It's a good squad. I like that squad for a young squad. That I mean, I take that one over the sixteen. And yeah, for sure. And the fifteen. And fifteen, and probably and thirteen. I would. Yeah, that would def. That would probably make my top three. Now that I'm looking That's at all crazy. these, I probably wouldn't do it over thirteen, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. All right, so 2018, this most recent one. So, yeah, so for 2017, the 21st pick was Terrence Ferguson. Most of you remember that. 2018, Woo! the most disappointing. <laughs> 2017 was like the most disappointing 21st pick that could have been for everybody at that draft party. But uh, 2018, Grayson Allen was your 21st pick. So that's not bad. <laughs> All right, so this was hard. I, I truthfully don't know enough about these guys. Obviously, they played one year. Starting point guard. Also, this lineup is ridiculous. But... Uh, Trey Young, starting point guard. Homer. Landry Shamit at the two. I don't, I don't know what position he plays, too. I think shooting guard, it feels like. Um, and not that that matters anymore. It's positionless basketball, Alex. Uh, and then the three, I've got Luka Doncic at the three. And then Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton finishing out. My yeah, that's a really good lineup, too. So you're, my backups, this is where I just don't know enough. But Colin Sexton, I took him over... Uh, what am I thinking of? I took him. I like Colin Sexton, I think, apparently. <laughs> Shea Gilders Alexander and then Jaron Jackson Jr. are the three. Oh, okay. I was I was hoping you were going to include Jaron Jackson Jr. because, uh, oh, he's he's so good. I, I Yeah, the other guys, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, obviously, is a good one. I like Josh Chicogi. I like Kevin Herter, but I think the guys you took are better than them. And long-term, Michael Porter, but who knows? Well, and I, I th- these last two, looking at 17 and 18, like, 18 was a fantastic draft. Like, there is depth so far into the draft. I think there will be guys that are playing, will be playing, and, you know, guys that got good minutes all the way up until, you know, the 40th pick. Yeah, it's so rare that a year after, everyone in the top five still feels really good about all their picks. Like, Aiton Bagley, yeah. Doncic... Jackson and Young, like that's an incredible first five in a draft. Well, and as much as we we were down on Bagley versus Doncic, Bagley was really good, really good for the Kings. You know, I I don't know. I think they I think you're right. Every one of the top five is going to be good. I don't know what Mo Bamba is going to be, but you just keep going. Wendell Carter, I, Kevin Knox is a question mark. I have no idea what to think of him, and I really don't know anything about the Bridges, Mike Mikel or Mike Miles, which I don't think they're actually related, are they? They're not. They do have the same last name. Maybe a long time ago. We'll jump on Ancestry.com. Yeah, it's like all of our Smiths. Um, okay, so let's talk about which one, who's the best here. Well, I originally was going to say 2011, but after hearing 2012, I don't know. I think it's 11 or 12 as the best team. I like the way 2011 fits. That's the team with Kyrie, Clay, Kawhi, Tobias, and Voot. And then you have Kemba, Jimmy Butler, and Miritich. That's a pretty great team. But 2012 is pretty good as well. Read off them again. 
Damian Lillard, Brad Bill, Chris Middleton, Draymond Green, Anthony Davis. You have Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, Harrison Barnes, Jay Crowder. Yeah, bench isn't as good, but that starting lineup is. I'd that, probably go with 2011 too, just because I think Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Bogdanovich, if you wanted to put him on there, boost. I just think that's a great, great squad. But I will say the 2009 one would be uh, they would sneak up and do some damage with. I mean, they are going to. And then if those are the first two, yeah, that's true. That's the Curry Harden backcourt, which yeah, I mean, you probably should just take them because they have two MVPs on their team. Yeah, and you also have Pat Bev, Drew Holiday, Danny Green. I don't know. I those are without question the top three, but you do have that that young one, that 2017 one. It's crazy that they would be up there. All right, Alex, is there anything else you want to talk about as far as the drafts over the last gosh 11 years? I think that's it, Jay. Well, man, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me join the Wednesday pod. It's like a I was. I just, you know, I had to bring it. I had to actually do research and look into it and all of that stuff because there's a high level of expectation for this Wednesday pod. So thanks for uh, having us. Thank you all for listening to Down to Dunk. We're going to have a little uh, Debbie Buckets basketball hour coming up for you with some Reddit Roundup. And so keep listening. Remember, rate us, review us, check us out, spread the word. It's going to be a long off season, but it's going to be a fun one because we're going to keep bringing you content every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Check us out on the Fry Pod. Alex, it's all you, man. Welcome to the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour, and I'm bringing you back another edition of Reddit Roundup. Now, on this week's Reddit Roundup, I am taking you on a journey to the deepest, darkest, dreariest place in the NBA. I am, of course, talking about Charlotte, North Carolina. My voice cracked because it's so dark and dreary. I'm so scared. (laughs) North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, home of the Charlotte Hornets, an NBA team best known for being a team in the NBA. If you have any opinion on the Charlotte Hornets, you really need to get a hobby. Go outside. Talk to your family. I don't care what you do, but please, please don't spend your time on this earth thinking about the Charlotte Hornets. Unless, of course, you are listening to the latest edition of Reddit Roundup, where each week I take you inside the mind of a fan from an opposing team. What are Hornets fans talking about? What are they thinking? Why are they even still posting at this point? This week, I have four stories for you, starting with story number one, new nicknames. Move over, hashtag Valley Boys. There's a new young core in town, and they've got a nickname of their own. Four of the young Hornets, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, Dwayne Bacon, and Devontae Graham, they've been hanging out a lot this season, eating dinner together after home games. And as Dwayne Bacon announced in his exit interview, we call ourselves the Avengers. Now, in response to this new nickname, Twitter user at HornetsHive1 noted that in this scenario, Batum is obviously Thanos. But come on, guys. The Avengers? The Avengers isn't hanging with hashtag Valley Boys as a nickname. 
And more importantly, the Hornets' young core is not cool enough yet to be associated with what is soon to be the number one grossing movie of all time. Now, maybe you could convince me the Avengers is an acceptable nickname if you're referring to the 1998 film The Avengers starring Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman as secret agents and Sean Connery as a mad scientist bent on controlling the world's weather that got a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. By the way, I was trying to come up with my own nicknames for the Hornets Young Corps. Hashtag buzzboys. And as I was researching the history of Charlotte to try to figure out a nickname, I learned where the Hornets name came from. So a little history lesson for you. Listen to this. Back in the Revolutionary War days, General Charles Cornwallis, an English commander, invaded the area and he was driven out by the extremely hostile locals, which prompted Cornwallis to dub Charlotte a, quote, hornet's nest of rebellion. A little history lesson for you there. I never knew that. All right, moving on to story number two. Miles gets real. The all-rookie teams were announced this week, and Charlotte Hornets rookie Miles Bridges' name was nowhere to be found. A few Hornets fans voiced their displeasure with Bridges being left off by taking to Twitter to shout into the void about their rookie being snubbed. Miles must have noticed these tweets because he tweeted out, quote, I didn't get snubbed. I played like ass all year. I don't deserve to be on any team. Next year will be different. And then he added a shrug emoji. Which I don't feel like you'd add a shrug emoji after that. You say, next year will be different. I'm positive. Not, eh, next year will be different. Eh, shrug. But props to Miles for keeping it real with us. He clearly understands that when you play like ass, you're going to stink. There's no way around that. And he's accepted it. So props to him. Moving on to story number three, reminiscing about the bad times. With the draft coming up this year, Charlotte fans were reminiscing on Reddit about the worst picks in their franchise history. And whoo boy, are there some options for them to choose from. Now, the obvious answer is, of course, NBA champion Adam Morrison, who was drafted at the age of 22 with the third pick in the 2006 NBA draft as the next Larry Bird. He was out of the league within four seasons. He only played 161 total games. But what about some of the other options? What about Bismack Biombo, who, if you'll remember, was acquired in a three-team draft day trade with Milwaukee and Sacramento, that saw the Hornets trade their 16th pick for Biombo, who was taken at number seven. Kemba was actually taken two picks later at number nine. And by the way, who did Milwaukee take at number 16? Tobias Harris. Or what about the back-to-back number nine picks, Noah Vonley and Frank Kaminsky in consecutive years? Do you remember the inevitability of Kaminsky to the Hornets because of MJ's obsession with accomplished college players. Remember the Godfather offer from Boston that included multiple first-round picks, including by all accounts the eventual Jalen Brown pick? Do you remember that three of the next four picks in that draft were Justice Winslow, Miles Turner, and Devin Booker? That's a rough one. But what about MKG, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, in a year when Charlotte was coming off literally the worst season In the history of the sport, there is a franchise-changing player in Anthony Davis who is coming out of school, and Charlotte gets the second pick. 
And then to add insult to injury, and we discussed this on last week's pod, the Hornets might have been able to trade that pick for James Harden because the, the Thunder Sam Presti was interested in Brad Beal. Or they could have just taken Brad Beal and had a backcourt of Kemba and Brad Beal. Wow. So many memories for Hornets fans. But for our final story, let's end on a positive note. Story number four. Why don't we reminisce about the good old days? As we all know and will never forget, Myers Leonard had a game for the ages in the Game 4 overtime loss to the Warriors earlier this week. Myers shot 12 of 16 from the field, which included five threes. He ended the game with 30 points and 12 rebounds. This incredible performance led one Hornets fan to seize the moment so that he could reminisce about one of his favorite Hornets players. Reddit user Biz Gilwalker posted, Watching Myers Leonard dominate the Warriors reminds me of Byron Mullins getting hot. I low-key miss that dude. I used to get so hyped when he had it going on. Fun times. Listen. Sometimes things get dark, folks. We worry about OKC's lack of shooting, Billy's coaching, Russ's decision-making, PG's injuries. But no matter how bad it may seem at any one moment, I pray that we will never, ever reach the point where we as a fan base are fondly remembering Byron Mullins. BJ! And I ask that if you ever do reach that point, please keep it to yourself and don't post about it on Reddit because it's embarrassing. Folks, that wraps up this week's edition of Reddit Roundup and wraps up this week's Wednesday pod, the Jay and Al pod. We'll be back on Friday, or they will. I won't. They'll be back on Friday for the Fry Pod. So get in your questions. Get in your hot draft questions. I listened to the Mikey and Andrew show. I'm <laughs> giving all our podcasts new names. The Mikey and Andrew show on Monday. I learned about some, some wings in this draft. They convinced me that a few of them are going to be really good. So now I'm, I'm stupidly excited about the draft again, even though I really wasn't that excited about this draft. But now I'm like, oh, we need that guy with the three names. He sounded pretty good. I mean, if Mikey likes him, I must, I should probably like him. So go listen to that one if you haven't yet. That's a really smart podcast. They know what they're talking about. And until then, 